when you go back to Second Peter, we recognize and remember that all of these things really are related to each other if we're making these additions to each other. And so as we're considering these, of course, we want to keep the big picture in mind, as has already been stated. And uh, so considering this, we want to continue on in thinking about what I would call godly patience, because we want to, I, uh, we want to wrap our heads around the thought that our patience or our perseverance is to be added to what in verse 6? What's it added to? Self-control. Self-control. And what is uh, what do we add to our perseverance or our patience? Godliness. So this is a process. And let's understand too that, that this is not something where we just, okay, I'm done with, with that, you know, faith. Okay, I've got that. I've nicked that. We're going forward. Okay, virtue, I've got that. I forget about that. We can fail in some of these things even after we mastered some of these later things, right? But there is a progression to be considered here. And, uh, and we need to keep that in mind as we continue to, to look at this. Um, and specifically with patience, I, I just wanted to ask this brief question why do we why do we need to be patient why do we need to have this perseverance typically i mean i would sometimes i say the word if you say patience that means uh me dealing with you and if i say perseverance that means me dealing with me it's like, mm. it's like a different user thought about that same word, but um, you know, when I think of perseverance, I think it's something I'm supposed to do with me, you know, okay. determination or whatever. And what are we dealing with when we're doing that? Trials. Trials? What else? Or I mean, just. To basically, to endure, to keep going, or whatever, um, can be in good works as well. It doesn't always have to be in the trial. You know, just, I'm not going to quit. Yeah. You know, that's just, I'm not the quitter guy. And I would say typically this is dealing with things that we see or interact with externally, right? Um, you know, I, I think we get into trouble when we think about, well, I've got to wait on me to act a certain way, right? Um, if I'm just waiting for me to get all this together, well, if I don't actually get it together, it's never going to happen, is it? But, yes, sir. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's about, you know, the endurance or consciously, the endurance or patience part of the definition might be some more external, but the, the cheerful endurance or hopeful endurance part of it is certainly, that's on you, you know. Right, sure. Absolutely. It's all, it's all ultimately like how we react to it is all on us. And so uh, when we consider the idea of endurance or patience, uh, we have to therefore ask, how do we get to that point? And I want us to really look textually at James chapter 1. I'm glad that Andrew didn't camp in this passage too long. He got to it and I was like, mm, okay, you know. <laughs> Because uh, really I want to look at it in almost a textual way. Um, godly patience. And uh, the next question really that comes to is how do we get that? 
In verses 2 through 4 of James 1, we've got the the testing of our faith referred to. Verse 5, let him ask of God. And then verses 6 through 7, let him ask in faith. And specifically 5 through 7 deal more with wisdom, I would say. But when you really think about it, doesn't wisdom, doesn't knowledge and wisdom, doesn't that help us to be patient? Remember, these are all tied together. And so... Let's look back in James chapter 1, and let's read together verses 2 through 7. And uh, let's see, Evan, would you read that, please? My brethren, count all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. But let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Very good. So in verses 2 through 4, the testing of our faith. We have already really dealt with this with Andrew's lesson, but trials are a source of joy. In fact, James says, count it all joy. Caton, uh, in his commentary, says, to your temperance, this is uh, commentary for Second Peter, to your temperance you must add an unwavering, unflinching endurance of all wrongs, evils, and afflictions that come upon you for the truth's sake. A denial of the faith to escape suffering not only shows the absence of courage, but also of patience. So also bearing the wrong complainingly, meekness shows patience. If we look at a worldly attitude toward this, is it going to make sense? If we say, you know, count it all joy when troubles come upon you, most people are going to say no. And of course, we know that many Christians will lack what we might call crust to endure. Aubrey really told me that one time. He's like, you need to build up some crust. You know, I said, well, you know, some people uh, are all crust. It almost seems, I don't think Aubrey was all crust, but... But at the same time, you need, you need to have that edge. And what we do is we get that together. The Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron. And so the endurance of all wrongs, evils, and afflictions for the truth's sake, I think, I think that's very true and something for us to consider. But we need to know that our joy is not in the difficulties and pain produced by the trouble. Yes, sir. And I guess this is probably where you're going. You know, the part of that definition is is this cheerful, and then it says in parentheses, or hopeful endurance. And it's like, you know, without hope, the cheerful part don't work. You know, in other yeah. words, um, you can be all the crust that you want, and you still hadn't done what this says. Exactly. Because you know, what it's really saying is cheerful endurance, which you're going to have to add to your crust to hope. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> To get that other piece of the puzzle put in there, um, that's I guess that's that next level kind of, you know. Yeah, we're looking we're looking for the good out of this situation. Um, you know, God's like a builder who's testing a bridge, and you know you're going to see if it stands. And this may not be a very good analogy, but there are some games and apps you can find now where you actually build a little bridge, and you watch and see if that truck's going to come. Up go across the bridge well i mean it depends on how well you built that bridge as to whether that goes across in some ways 
Uh, God's like the builder. He's, he's testing this bridge. He's saying, you know, how, how, how hard is this going to be? How, long, how, how much does this person have to push through? And Satan is like an enemy general who's going to test the defenses and hope to find a weakness. So that's, that's what we find. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll be getting to that in just a minute. We'll be getting to that in just a minute because that's a little bit beyond what we're looking at right now. But but I appreciate that. Um, why are trials joyful though? They're joyful because they produce patience, and just like what Mark said, cheerful endurance there. Um, Note that we're supposed to let patience work. Let this process complete itself. Um, a patient person has an attitude that never admits defeat, never gives up, just like what Marcus uh, talked about just a minute ago. Um, it endures the injuries that are being done against them without being provoked to anger or revenge. Think about this too. Does sin also take time to perfect its goals? Does Satan take time to bring what he wants in you to completion? James talks about that in just a few verses now. One thing done is completion Any Christian that's solid and faithful, is that Christian going to wake up one day and say, you know what, forget about all this? You know, it's not going to happen in an instant. And that's why we say by the time, for example, uh, a member of the congregation stops coming to services, that's, that's a red alert. Like if they miss something for no reason, that's a red alert. Something else is going on in the undercurrent that we need to, be, uh, we need to know about and we need to work toward. But of course, sin has different goals. It brings death, but patience can make us as Christians perfect and complete without want. Paul refers in Romans 5 that we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And this gets to what Mark was discussing a minute ago too, uh, that if we have patience without godliness, without the motive to be more like God, we're going to have an emotionless existence devoid of true compassion. I think that was a lot of the idea of previous generations. Just grit and bear it and get through it, right? And we know that previous generations had had it pretty tough from time to time. But these things flow together. Hendrickson says, let us suppose that we have supplied in our self-restraint patience. Is that enough? Where there is a stopping at this, there is a stoicism, of which the expression is, let us be insensible to pain. Let us be heedless of difficulties. But in this patience, there must be supplied as its necessary component, godliness. It can't just be grit and bear it. It has to be a patience that wants to be like God. You think about the patience that God has for us. This applies to every trial we could possibly be under, no matter how bad it becomes. Um, Andrew read 1 Peter 1, that your, your faith being tried... Uh, being found to praise ultimately, receiving the end of your faith. Does patience come automatically? 
Do we just need to wait and hope that we get more patient? It's something that needs to be developed. And what's interesting is that this, this growth actually comes more readily in the face of trials and struggles. We see that within the church even today, don't we? Brethren that had to fight the battles of the, the divides in the 50s and 60s, they typically, I would venture to say, have had much stronger convictions, at least toward those points, than some later generations that haven't had to fight those battles. So we see that very, very plainly. But as uh, Sister Laura mentioned, let him ask of God. We need to make sure that we understand that true wisdom is to be sought. We have to seek it out. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We can't find that fulfillment by seeking wisdom from the world. That's why, for example, when we have someone out there, if we have a friend who um, you know, isn't a Christian, or you know, maybe we have a friend who's a fallen Christian we just began talking to and associating with, um, yeah, I can learn from anybody, but do I really need to pour out the problems, for example, that the congregation is going through to people like that? We need to be wise about these things. Mm hmm. Supposed to be with faith, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cover that as well. So to deal with the trials of life, we need to have wisdom. We have to have the appropriate hunger for wisdom. Uh, it's been said, wisdom is the common sense to put into practice the principles and instructions given in the revelation of God's word. Jesus says in Matthew ten sixteen, "Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves." And so we seek. God for wisdom, and we don't learn from the world. Uh, look back at Second Chronicles one. What kind of thought did did Solomon have that his son Rehoboam did not have? In Second Chronicles one ten through twelve, um, Mr. Gary, would you read that, please? Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches, or wealth, or honor, or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Look at this in verse 11. Because you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies. Now, isn't that things that the world typically wants? You know, they want this domination. They want riches. They want wealth and honor. But God says, since you haven't given this, I'm going to give you way more than you even could have asked for. Mark made the comment, I think, in the in the first hour about, or he didn't make the comment, but he kind of uh, shook his head at me when I mentioned that, you know, uh, that would uh, would Daniel have been as successful if he hadn't been faithful to God? In a, in a worldly way, perhaps. But certainly I think God made him more successful than he ever could have been uh, in, in a worldly way. So, so we need to be seeking God's wisdom 
And and remember, I mentioned earlier, I asked the question earlier, did Rehoboam ask for the same thing? No, it doesn't even really seem like he consulted God. He consulted his uh, his father's advisors, and then he consulted his buddies that he'd grown up with, and he listened to his buddies. So, we need to seek for true wisdom. Hebrews 10.36, you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. We all need this endurance. We need to hold through and understand that God's wisdom can help us with this. We need to make sure that we don't uh, tre- that we treasure wisdom enough that we ask for it. All the things that are said in Proverbs about how wisdom is something to be sought for and stro- you know, striven for. So we need to seek His wisdom and trust God's providence. And again, as uh, Sister Laura mentioned, let Him ask in faith. We can't do it with with hoping maybe God will follow through with his promises. You know, the Bible shows us who is the rock and who the stones are, right? Who's the stones? Us, right? I mean we're we're really not solid like God is. And sometimes we're even referred to the nations are referred to as waters or unstable waters. Job fourteen nineteen, as water wears away stones and as torrents wash away the soil of the earth, so you destroy the hope of man. How long does that take? When we think about how water washes away things. and I mean, we know the power of it, right? But it's not an instant thing. And this tells us something about God. This tells us something about the way that He makes things right. There's, there's a, a, a cliff here. There's, there's a gap here that we need to be uh, noticing that there's a difference between what we call the real and what we call the ideal. And so often as Christians, especially those of us who are younger, we face this point where we recognize the church really isn't what it ought to be. And we think, well, well, this is wrong. This needs to change right now. You know, God may have different plans and thoughts. And we need to think about this from His perspective. And know that He is stable, we are unstable, and we do the best we can. We have this patience and this, this endurance that God has. Deuteronomy 32.4, He is the rock, His work is perfect. For all His ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. He's solid, He's dependable. Uh, Jesus Christ, as Hebrews 13.8 says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God can endure. God is solid. He's dependable. He's not going to fail us. You think about how long he waited from the time that man became corrupt to the time that he sent the flood. You think about all the grace. So what is that? 120 years or so? Genesis. And that's what he's pointing out in Genesis 6, 7 through 8, that he would, dest- he would destroy man. And he says, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now, how do we gain perspective on this? Well, in 1 Peter three twenty, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Why didn't God immediately just say, Whoosh, 
There, Noah, there's your ark. Get on the ark. I'm going to flood the earth right now. That's not his style, is it? God can endure. And because God can endure, we ought to endure as well. Because again, if, if, we're, if our patience looks like, well, this is, you know, we've got to have things exactly the way that they ought to be right now. In every situation, let me suggest that's not godly patience. Yes, sir. I was just going to say, I mean, you, I kind of can think of it in a couple different ways. Like when you're a parent and the kids are little, you can mm, cheerfully, patiently endure and watch as they learn. And, you know, it, you can almost laugh, you know, in other words. I'm, I'm glad they just learned that lesson. You smile, you see them bumping along, and you're like, you know, I'm glad for this process that God has made, and, you know, you can be happy about that. And then maybe as you get uh, more self-focused, you you know, maybe, okay, it's easy for me to be cheerful about this later when I see the effects of it, you know, and that's, that's something that's mm-hmm. maybe a little harder, but also some standard of growth in this idea but you know when you look at the apostles singing in prison okay that's cheerful endurance that you know that's maybe a standard to Hmm. achieve you you see what I'm saying Mm -hmm. in other words you you can kind of see those different levels of what cheerful endurance might look like and there's the easy level you know but but even like if you're externally watching those things, like as your kids get older and those trials get harder, boy, it's a lot harder to be happy about that, you know, that, or to, to be mm-hmm. satisfied with God's process of all of these things, you know, how this works and why it works and what's going on on the other side, you know, what are the rewards of it. Those things are sometimes uh, swallowed up in the moment, you know, yeah, that- to, to grow to the point where you can... Um, be like the apostles and be actually, you know, in that bad spot and yeah. have that cheerfulness and that endurance together at the same time. That's a that's a level of uh, perfection or uh, righteousness or you know it, it's, it's it gets closer to God to 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 that standard that's really mm-hmm. high and you know that's that's the thing to shoot for I guess is that spot. Well, you see that demonstrator right here. I mean, you think about the whole world is corrupted and every thought and imagination of man is evil continually. And yet Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, so here's this one family. And I think that's, that would have been God's joy. It's, well, I've, I've got Noah. He's a good man. He's a right man. He's, he, he wants to serve me. And so God was satisfied with that. In a way, you might say. Um, of course, I think it, if there had been a situation where people had wanted to change and do better, I, I think they could have gotten on the ark. You know, all that time that he was building it. But, uh, yeah. So God can endure these things. And it is indeed, uh, it should be a cheerful endurance. That development later on, it does get more challenging for us. But I, I can't imagine you know, waiting 120 years. Um you know, on that basis too, let me say this too. Um, in Revelation 12, I think, uh, it, it talks about Satan as being the accuser of the saints. 
And what I would suggest is that that means that Satan, all this time in the Old Testament, you have people dying that had sins against the Lord. They had broken the law, but yet God was not punishing them. I would suggest they were in Abraham's bosom or paradise, whatever you want to call that. Um, But God wasn't punishing them because they were faithful to him and it was a looking forward to the cross and that time. And so I would suggest that Satan was accusing God at that at those times, saying, you know, look, these people are not righteous. But yet you're not punishing them. And so the accuser of their saints, the saints was cast down when Jesus died on the cross and shed that blood so that all who are faithful could be saved. So you think about all the endurance that God had all through that time for us and for his saints, how awesome that is. So we need to strive for that. And we need to ask knowing that God will provide this wisdom. Uh, Later on in James 5.11, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. We have to trust the source of this wisdom. If we ask for this wisdom, if we ask for patience, if we ask for endurance, thinking that God might help us and that we, He might bring about something that's good, we're unsure. And we don't have the patience that we ought to have. We don't ever need to feel that at, by asking God for wisdom, we're somehow asking for more than we should. We're, we're, it's not that we're owed this, but that God is ready and willing. He has a liberal heart toward this. He's saying, you want wisdom here? I'll give it to you. Open and free and honest. We need to make sure that we're not afraid that following God's plan means that we miss out on something. That's why we need patience and endurance, brethren. Because again, I mean, just to be real, we're not a very large congregation, are we? And by the world's standards, maybe we're not making a big splash in things. But if we hold on and keep doing what we need to be doing, encouraging each other, working together, and helping each other out in in every way that we can, and most importantly, giving glory to God and following His will, it's going to work out well for us. It's, It's working for our good, for the good of each other, and even for the good of our communities. So, uh that's one of the things I wanted to consider with this, with patience. You know, God can wait, so can we. And if we want to be like Him, it's that patience that we need to have. You know, notice again the the flow back in Second Peter. You don't have godliness first. It's you have patience or perseverance first, and you add to your perseverance godliness. The, seek and, the seeking and the hope. And again, I don't have a whole lot on godliness itself because I think it's stitched all through this idea that God is this way. And if we want to be like God, we need to be that way as well.